are we sometimes losing out because we are so focused on being the winner? This is Rabbi Yitzchak Price with another episode of Tachlis Talks, growth-oriented, partial-related Torah podcasts. In this coming Torah portion of Chaye Surah, we listen in on the dialogue, the negotiations between Avraham, Abraham, and a gentleman named Ephron. Well, gentlemen may shift mid-dialogue, because Ephron, who is the current landowner who holds the property of Hebron, where Avraham wants to buy a burial plot for his recently departed wife, Sarah, Ephron owns that land and initially sounds like a mensch, sounds like he's ready to have Avraham have the land at uh, almost no cost. Yet, by the time the dialogue is done, Ephron has demanded an exorbitant sum for this piece of territory. Ephron, whose name is spelled Ayin Fe Resh Vav Nun, loses one letter of his name at that point. Rashi points to the fact that Ephron's name is written in a shorter format, missing that letter Vav, indicating that he's lost out. Ephron, who is showing his readiness to be a giver, his seeming readiness to be a giver, has shown his true colors, and in fact, his greed takes hold, and he demands that huge sum of money, and he loses something, his name is minimized, showing that that greed, that desire to win, has him as the loser. By the way, of the letters that are removed from his name, particularly the Vav, is relevant to the nature of the letter Vav. Vav is the letter that indicates attachment. We use the letter Vav as the prefix to say and. Item A and item B would be object A, V, Object B, the vav would be the connector. The letter vav looks like a hook because it acts like a hook. And by the way, the word vav, which is spelled vav vav, those two letters combined, that is a biblical Hebrew word for hook. The vav is used when the attached different elements of the tabernacle of the Mishkan, the curtains are attached by vavim. By each vav is a hook that attaches the curtains. Ephron loses that vav. He loses the attachment. He could have been part of the picture over here. He and Avraham kind of partners in this engagement, but instead he is there on the outside, opposing Avraham, and not attached to Avraham, not attached to the cave. And in a sense, he's no longer attached to that great destiny that would have been his, that eternity of being bonded with this incredible spot. Chavron, the burial site of our forefathers, the burial site of Adam and Eve, the place of prayer, the famed Kalev of the biblical era, and Jews throughout the centuries, throughout the millennium, have gone out of their way to pray at that spot in Chavron. Chevron that represents the bond between heavens and earth. Chevron from the term of chibur, of attachment. Ephron would have forever been linked to that in a positive manner, even if he didn't give it to Avraham, but had he been reasonable in the sale. And instead, he is detached. He is the opposing team. He is one we remember with a certain disdain for the greed that he displayed and loses that attachment. His greed, he may have gone to sleep that night thinking, I was the great winner, but history and spiritual destiny has him as the big-time loser. Hopefully, none of us are greedy on the level of an Ephron, but greed is there as a troubling element of our personalities that often affects decisions and affects our behaviors, whether it's trying to manipulate things that we get the better end of a business deal, trying to 
outsmart the other in some type of negotiation, trying to work things out that I get the position of honor. I'm going to be the star actor or actress in the play or get the solo in the choir or have the lead position on this board or this organizational structure. Often there's traces of greed that can manipulate things and have us feeling, ah, I won. I was able to outsmart the other. I was able to use my talent, my resources, my protection, my political connections to come out the winner. But unfortunately, very often, we are not walking out with the ultimate gain. Ultimately, there's an element of a selfishness and an element of stepping on the other, putting down the other, that might have lingering spiritual effects and sometimes even lingering social effects. How many relationships are really damaged by the fact that one partner is so eager to come out the winner? Well, you know, there's the expression, you can be right or you can be smart, now, being right, being the winner, isn't always the smartest move. And if it's threatening the shalom bayit, if it's threatening the interplay between spouses, parent and child, neighbors, uh, community, peers, then what feels like that initial win may easily be recognized as an element of a loss. How do we avoid greed? How do we combat greed? So two basic approaches... One that's probably the more common approach, and one that I think may be a little more novel. So the more common approach is to become, we have to be focused on becoming givers. Givers don't take. Givers don't uh, destroy the other in the process. The more we are otherly focused, I'm focused on the need of the other, I'm looking to provide to the other, the less likely we will inappropriately put ourselves um, at, as the winner at somebody else's expense. And I that's a theme that we've talked about other times and can develop more in another podcast. I want to look at a different aspect, a different tool for combating greed, and that would be by trying to be more greedy. More greedy? Yes, a lot more greedy. Big time more greedy. Looking for a much bigger win. And what I mean by that is not looking at the short-term gain of that extra dollar, or hundred dollars, or million dollars, or the extra gain of a position of greater recognition in the community for a day, or a week, or a year, or even a lifetime, but by thinking in terms of, in bigger terms. To put this in perspective, imagine there's something you're doing where you could walk out the winner and feel great about yourself, but but there's going to be an expose, a documentary that everybody's going to be watching in a few days, or weeks, or years, or even decades, where everybody's going to see the selfishness that motivated your maneuvering of things in your best interest. Right now, feeling that potential gain, you realize, I could win big time, I could get this money, I could get this esteem, I could get this rank, but I know that in 20, 30, 50 years... The truth is going to be recognized. Everybody's going to be watching this expose on the big screen and realize what my inner motivation was. I think we might desist and pull back from trying to achieve our current less than glatt kosher win uh, at the expense of that loss that we'd feel later on. Well, if we realize, as significant as that win could be, as much money, as much honor, as long as I'll feel the high of this win... It's only in the here and the now of this life's experience. 
And if we are allotted 120 years, and we are anything older than a newborn, we've got less than 120 years to go. As opposed to the big experience of our post-this-life experience, and our neshamas, which will live on eternally, while 120 years relative to eternity is infinitesimally small. And if we can recognize that there'll be a point in time post-this-life experience, when we measure things based on what really matters, not the extra dime or dollar or or, or social s- status or, or, or local honor or even international recognition, but we measure things based on what is really the ultimate spiritual output and the spiritual effect of our deeds. And we're going to look back at our lives through that lens and say, boy, did I blow it. I had the opportunity to make others feel comfortable, to make others feel good, to give others their sustenance, to help others provide for their family. And instead, I was so myopic, focused on this little self, on this little physical body self that is ultimately fleeting. I had the capacity to be doing something so far more grand, and instead I was so petty. We'll feel like big-time losers. Now, throw into the equation that we have a tradition that others all watch that same screen when we're shown this is your life. Everybody else is experiencing that and understanding what's motivating us. That is the equivalent of that expose. We're stuck watching that with everybody else, and all of us are measuring. Nobody's saying, oh, how cool, you managed to pull it off. You were the big financial winner over here. You conned the other guy. You manipulated things. No one's measuring things that way. At that experience, in the Olam Haba, in the future worldly experience, each of us watching and each of our neighbors watching as well are simply measuring things based on what really, really matters in life. And as such, we'll really feel like those losers. So I would suggest that if we really want to combat greed, we should be more greedy. We should be looking for feeling like a winner in debt big long-term win in terms of measuring ourselves as winners for the long haul. And if we can judge our behaviors in the here and now cognizant of the fact that what will it feel like to be a big winner in the future, to be known as the one who managed to avoid a potential commission, a potential shift of status, a potential shift of rank, because he had other people in mind, because he had the community in mind, because he had uh, spiritual elements in mind. If we can be greedy, I want that win. I don't want this current little win. I want that really big win. Well, being greedy and wanting that big win can allow us to act appropriately in each of our undertakings in this life's experience. We'll be the antithesis of that Ephron. We'll be attaching ourselves big time to the proper outcomes, to the eternal outcomes. And if we can do that, again, first step is quite significant too. Become the giver and focused on the other. But at the same time, uh, putting this attention to measuring what we want to be attached to for the long haul, for the eternal then we will be able to be uh, the opposite. We'll be really attached to those successes. We'll be able to make the proper decisions, do with each of our current situations what is the ultimate best move, and in so doing, be all the more likely to fully achieve our tachlis.